0: This is Good Morning Liberty.
1: Well, what is up, all of our liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. No, the finger guns don't do anything. I don't know what all the gestures are. Uh, my name is Nate Thurston. I'm by myself today, except for the Fed Haters Club that I'm hanging out right, with right now. You can get to that by going to joingml.com or just on our website, goodmorningliberty.us, and click on the button. I've been talking with them about, uh, I've had these random balloons popping up on the screen, and I didn't know how. And it, it turns out, I guess your MacBook, I don't know if this is Apple specific, I'm assuming it is, is always watching your camera and your hand gestures. And if you make certain hand gestures, things will pop up on the screen and I need to go figure out how to turn that off. But I just, uh, last night figured out what it was. It's been confusing me for like, Oh, going on six months now, I've had this randomly popping up. And so now we know it's a big day. You learn something new every single day, guys. Okay. And, um, now I can't stop doing it, even though it's super annoying. I just keep making different hand gestures. I'm trying to figure out which which ones. What's another hand gesture? I tried the OK symbol. That didn't do anything. Uh, we tried finger guns. That didn't do anything. Just waving. I don't know if that's going to do anything. Uh, okay, just a couple things: thumbs up and um, peace sign. <laughs> now you're just trying to get me to do ridiculous stuff, right? I mean, that's I could do like moose ears. That didn't do anything. Okay. Um, uh, I'll keep trying middle finger. I don't think that does anything. Nope. That's not it either. Okay. Anyway, we've, uh, we've got a couple hand gestures that we know make a uh, confetti or balloons or fireworks pop up on the screen during the show. Thank you for joining us today. I forgot to do the Liberty at night intro on Tuesdays. We have a show uh, at night called Liberty at Night that plays on uh, the Free Talk Live network. They're on 150 radio stations. So I guess that makes us on a bunch of radio stations around the country as Liberty at Night. And uh, that's that's pretty cool. But I forgot to do the, uh, the intro for today. Let's talk about, uh, I want to talk uh, there's a big thing going on right now with FISA and Section 702. We're not going to get in depth on that today. I'm going to bring on uh, an expert in the next couple of days in this kind of thing, so we'll uh, we'll know exactly what's going on with it. Uh, so I'm not going to get super in detail. Just be aware that they are they have been talking about taking away some of these surveillance powers, or at least making it where it wasn't warrantless, where they had to get a warrant for e- for each one. It seems now they're actually expanding it and they're sneaking it into... Uh, the Defense Authorization Act, I guess, or whatever it is that they do every single year to authorize uh, money for the military. And of course, that means everyone's going to vote for it and we're not going to get the changes that people thought we were going to get. Big shock, I know. Really big surprise. Everyone thought the government was actually going to vote to decrease some of their power or to make it harder for them to exercise some some of their power. And it seems like it's actually going the opposite direction. I'm I'm just shocked right now. Man, I had no idea that this is what was going to happen. Uh, so we'll talk more about that when I get an expert on here to talk about uh, what's going on there. I want to talk about inflation and the economics here for a little bit, and then a couple stories of how the government's spending your money, and then uh, if we have time, we'll talk about this, this whole thing where they were going to ban menthol cigarettes, and now they're literally saying that they're holding off because of the election on banning menthol cigarettes. And so that's really interesting. But U.S. consumer price inflation cooled further last month. Uh, that's worded a little bit weird. It actually went up 0.1% over the month, but the year-over-year number came down to 3.1%. That's right, folks, we're only 50% above the number that the Fed wants it to be. Still some work to be done there. But the uh, the CPI rose 3.1% for 12 months. that ended in November, a slight drop from the 32 recorded for October. According to the BLS, on a monthly basis, the uh, price changes went up 0.1% from October. Shelter prices rose for the second consecutive month, helping to offset the falling gas prices. Gas has been pretty cheap recently relatively. I have noticed that. Um, Economists were expecting prices to stay flat over the month and for the annual rate to go to 3.1. So the year over year came in and expected. They thought that the month over month was going to be zero. It was actually 0.1. When you take out the uh, food and gas and look at the core CPI, it went up 0.3% month over month. And that number is still at 4%. Okay. So, uh, let me see here. Of course in October, it went up 0.2 and November for November, it went up 0.3. So that's heating up just a little bit. Um, of course, with it going down the 3.1, that means that the Biden administration is going to be spiking the football and putting up a mission accomplished banner, all that stuff. You just got to ask yourself, are you getting an annual raise. Of course, this is the lowest it's been. Have you been getting an annual 5% raise? Have you been getting an annual 7% or 8% raise or whatever the actual number is? And it's likely not, although maybe some people have been if you are at the lower end of the income spectrum. Uh, I brought in some of the numbers here, but I don't really feel like going through them. The shelter prices are still crushing everyone right now. Here's a chart with the core and the uh, regular CPI. To me, as a as a chartist, when I look at the chart, it looks like they're starting to bottom out and could start curling back up, uh, but we'll we'll see. Now, this brings me to this interesting story that no doubt some of you have seen. Since we're in the Christmas season, and we've had all this inflation, people have been talking about Kevin McAllister's grocery trip in Home Alone, which is one of the best Christmas movies still, although I have always been partial to Home Alone 2. I don't know about you guys, uh, but I always liked the idea of the, the lost in New York thing. I always thought that was cool. I always liked it more than Home Alone 1. We can debate that sometime in the future. I'm in a in I'm, I'm watching the Christmas movies right now, Oh, whether I, I watched Daddy's Home 2 last night. That's a pretty good one. I watched, for the first time ever, the movie uh, The Holiday with my wife. She's been trying to get me to watch that for, well, going on 14 years now, and I've refused, and it turns out I was right the whole time. So another big shocking turn of events right there, you know. And actually, I wanted to throw in a complaint. It doesn't seem like a Christmas movie. I, I mean, Die Hard is way more of a Christmas movie than The Holiday is. But uh, but any, anyhow, let's go into this uh, Home Alone thing. Home Alone fans are reminiscing about the lower grocery bills after a TikTok video pointed out how much Kevin McAllister spent on his shopping trip in 1990 versus what it would cost today. Uh, the bill comes out to 20 bucks, and one t- TikToker estimated that Colcombe would spend close to 70 on the same grocery haul if the goods were purchased this year. And now he did purchase things from Target, which is not known for having the best grocery prices out there. So that is one little bone I have to pick with this video. But let's let's watch this video and uh, see what this guy did.
0: All right, a bunch of you guys have been asking me, how much did Kevin McAllister spend that day in comparison to the day? And what would it cost if he was to go to the store today? Notice that 119 for the milk, or 115 for the other. Just nuts how much has changed for half gallon. So how much did Kevin McAllister spend here in 1990, to a comparison to today, if you were to go to the store on November 26, 2023, TV dinner. You got the Wonder Bread, the frozen mac and cheese, saran wrap, half gallon of milk, the Tide, half gallon of orange juice, army soldiers, saran wrap. You got the snuggle dryer sheets, five dollars for that one because it had the food inside. Thirteen bucks for the Tide, three bucks for the Wonder Bread. $3.50 for the frozen Mac, $4.60 for the milk. You got $8.79 for the dryer sheets. You got $8 for the uh, toilet paper, and you got just shy nine bucks for the toy soldier. What does that come down to? The grand total is sixty-three dollars and seventy-three cents. Add-on tax, five dollars twenty-five cents. And they put that together, you get sixty-eight ninety nine rounded up a penny. So 60, 68 bucks after your coupon today, guys. That's how much it cost in 2023.
1: $68. Now, he did pick prices off of Target's website, so maybe a little bit lower. Uh, I found some other calculations here. Um, the half-gallon of milk half gallon of orange juice, all that stuff. Uh, this website came out that it would be about $55 and it was 20 then. So that's still a pretty big increase. And of course, the big question is, did your wages increase that much? A lot of people's did. A lot of people have been able to keep pace with inflation, but it is tougher on people at the lower end of the income totem pole. Of course, this is this is what we get uh, when we keep printing money and keep spending money on things that we don't need, shouldn't be spending money on. We take money out of the productive economy and the government spends it and sets half of it on fire. Or we just print all new money and uh, we expect that to not create inflation. This is not that difficult. When when the Fed came out and added all this new money to the money supply during the COVID pandemic crisis, government imposed shutdowns, We knew exactly what was going to happen. And of course, right now, people like Robert Reich, I don't know why I still follow him on Twitter or why he is always coming up on my feed, I guess because I interact with his posts, Uh, but he's still out there saying that it's actually corporate greed. It's actually price gouging. And the fact of the matter is corporations are always trying to charge the highest prices that they can. And balancing that with the amount of volume that they can do to try and make the most money that they possibly can. And all that changed was the amount of money that people had on hand. And that number changed quite a bit over the last few years. It's not that hard. All right. I wanted to show you something. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, every, Every year, this is kind of a personal story, but the inflation relates to it. Every year, I, uh, I send my, I, uh, I send, I send my sister money for her birthday. Okay. I'll just say it, say I send, I send my sister money and I send her 75 bucks and that like $75 in Amazon gift cards. And this year when I got the $75 in Amazon gift cards, it was the first year I ever thought about it, but I've been giving her $75 for a long time. Let's just say like 10 years. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to spend on my sister for her birthday. And I give her $75 in gift cards or whatever it is. And what I realized is I've been giving her less and less money every single year. And I didn't realize it. And this year when I sent her $75, it was as if I was actually sending her $57, uh, like 10 years ago. And I had never really thought about that, that if I wanted to actually keep pace with the amount of money I had been sending her, then what I should be doing this year is send her $99 in gift cards. And that's the only way that I would have been sending her the same amount of money every single year. And that's... I don't know if you guys do the same thing where you where you send someone the same amount of money or get them the same gift cards every single year, but this is a really good example of it that she's been getting shortchanged. And uh, don't tell her, I see my brothers in the live group right now, let's not let her know that actually I've just been sending her less and less money every every single year. Of course, we'll have to look at what the inflation on Amazon itself has been that whole time. But um, I don't know, speaking of inflation and Government sending money towards things. You know, we just got a a school voucher bill uh, through in Tennessee. And of course, I I support the voucher system. It's not the perfect fix. It's not the fix that we want. We uh, would like to just get rid of government schooling uh, altogether. Uh, We would like to get rid of your tax money going to these uh, government ignorance farms uh, that we have out there, these government propaganda farms that we have out there. But people have been instead able to use vouchers if they want to go outside of the public school system and they want to go to a to a private school and someone was doing the uh, do, doing the research on a school here in Tennessee and let's just assume that this is because of the voucher system because it does make sense this person Ezra Howard who was against school vouchers uh, because only the public schools should be able to get your money, I guess. It's not for your kid's education. It's for the public schooling system. Uh, this person says, Ezra says, this is amazing. Wasn't feeling well, so I stayed home after a long nap. I've slowly been collecting tuition from 2021 and 2022 school years. In 2021, before vouchers, one school's tuition was 3500 In 2022, after the vouchers, it jumps up to 7000 And he does say this is the most egregious instance yet. So this is the worst one so far. We're picking out of the whole bunch and we're saying this is the worst increase. This might sound like I'm saying something negative about vouchers, but we do need to realize that this is going to happen. You can see uh, from 2021 school year right here, the total 3,500 for this school. And then when you go to the 2022 school year, the total same school after vouchers, it's up to 7,000. And now why Why would that be? Of course, that is because the government is allowing people to take their money that they would instead be paying into the public school system and taking it and being able to use it towards private schooling. This is going to have, uh, there's going to be a lot more demand for those schools and there's a lot more money available for people to pay for those schools. And so what happens? The price doubled in the span of a year. And of course, this is gonna happen at these private schools. It happens everywhere. This is what happened to our college system where the government made it uh, loans available to anyone who wanted to go to college and everyone was able to get almost any amount of money that they needed to go to college. Of course, all the colleges raised their prices. I don't see the same people complaining about what college cost uh, 50 years ago versus what it costs right now and saying, well, the government's making all this loan money available and that's what's happening um but that is what's going to happen in the private schools as well and people do need to get ready for that it it might make them look bad you might think that that makes them uh, price gougers or evil people evil profit seeking terrible people that's just the way economics works you're not going to be able to get around that there's more money available for the same goods for the same same supply there's going to be more demand and more money available to pay for that supply. And so, of course, the prices are going to go up. This person, though, in responding to the story that I just told you guys about, Heidi Campbell, who was very much against the school voucher system in Tennessee, uh, says, No need to speculate. Taxpayers will be on the hook for funding private schools while public schools disappear. This could be in Dumb Bleep of the Week, but I wanted to mention it today since it has to do with uh, economics. Taxpayers will be on the hook for funding private schools while public schools disappear. The taxpayers are already on the hook for funding the public schools. All you've done is giving people the ability to use that money where they want to use it. In the same way that when you give people money for, say, SNAP, you don't tell them that they have to go to a government grocery store, of which there are a few around the country, and we'll see how the one in Chicago goes that they're going to try and start. You don't tell them that they can only go to that grocery store because it's a public grocery store. You say, well, you can take this SNAP and you can use it at any of the grocery stores. All right. And so that's what we're doing with the, with the uh, tuition vouchers. And it doesn't mean that taxpayers are on the hook for more money or whatever. You're just taking your money and you're using it where you think your child is going to get the best education. And they say public schools will disappear. Why would the public schools disappear? They would disappear because people have decided that there is a better option for their child to get a better education. I cannot for the life of me understand how people will paint this as a negative thing. It's like they care more about the public schools than they do about children getting a good education. It's this public school industrial complex that they've got to send this money to when the actual focus should be on people getting a good education. But everyone be ready. If you're looking at private schools, those prices will go up. They will adjust for the fact that people are now able to take their government vouchers, their tax money, vouchers, and pay for this, and the prices will go up accordingly. That's how this works, and that's how it works for anything that the government puts money towards, college, housing, anything. What's the next thing we're going to talk about? EV chargers. We got a big bill that went through where the government is going to put in all of these EV chargers, or they're going to pay for 80% of the EV chargers at least. And I didn't realize how much the fast chargers actually cost. I know that the ones you put in at your house are like six, 7,000 bucks, I guess, something like that. If you put in a, a, a slow, like overnight charger kind of thing. But if you put in one that's going to charge your car in less than an hour, holy crap, it is expensive. And Biden said, we're going to put up a million of these things around the country. And that happened in 2021. Guess how many of them have been built so far? Zero, that's how many have been built. This comes from reason. Uh, Congress spent $7.5 billion on EV chargers after two years, none of them have been built. Joe Biden has made a transition to electric vehicles, a key part of his presidency, spending billions of dollars, both to help companies build them and to help customers afford them. What's gonna happen to the prices of those items? They're gonna go up. Weird, this is all connected. The 2021 Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act included $7.5 billion to build 500,000 public charging stations across the country. Under the program, states can qualify for as much as 80% of the cost to build the chargers and bring them online. But as Politico reported this week, not a single charger funded by the program is yet operational. How many chargers do you think Tesla has built during this time? How much time do you think it takes them to put in a charging network somewhere. They've spent $7.5 billion and none of them are operational yet. Earlier this year, the Environmental Protection Agency mandated that by 2030, half of all vehicles sold in the U.S. must be electric. This will require an enormous ramp up in resources, especially charging infrastructure. As Politico noted, consumer demand for electric vehicles is rising in the U.S., necessitating six times as many chargers on its roads by the end of the decade, according to federal estimates. Other estimates are even more dire. In January, Stephanie Brindley from uh, S&P wrote that, even when home charging is taken into account to properly match forecasted sales demand, the U.S. will need to see the number of EV chargers quadruple between 2022 and 2025 and grow more than eightfold by 2030. As of this writing, there are just under 158,000 public chargers, meaning there may need to be more than 1 million to support the Biden administration's timeline. Uh, Politico reported that while more than two billion has been given out, only two states, Ohio and Pennsylvania have actually broken ground on the chargers. Two billion given out, two states have broken ground on the chargers while just six others have awarded contracts. Fewer than half of US states have have even submitted a proposal for these funds. Quote, The slow rollout primarily boils down to difficult state agencies and charging com- the difficulties state agencies and charging companies face in meeting a complex set of contracting requirements and minimum operating standards for the federally funded chargers. Like red tape and rules around building these chargers, they can't actually get them going, even with federal funds. Part of the problem might also be cost, because the chargers are expensive to build and maintain. The types of chargers mentioned in the law are level two or level three. Level two are the ones that take four to 10 hours to charge, which you're not going to want to put in in random places because who's going to wait four to 10 hours for their car to charge? Uh, The other ones, DCFCs use direct current and can charge an EV in less than an hour. A 2019 study by the Department of Energy found that while level two chargers can cost up to $6,500 to install, The fast chargers can cost as much as $40,000. Depending on factors like hardware costs, other estimates have put the price between $50,000 and $100,000 for a fast charger. And the government is going to pay up to 80% of that cost. Also, we can charge that car. I hope you know where your money's going, folks. Maintaining the faster chargers can be quite expensive as well. Mark Mills, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, wrote that a single fast charger requires electrical infrastructure equivalent to that needed for 10 homes. One single charger needs the electrical infrastructure that you would need to power 10 homes, and it can cost between fifty dollars and $100,000. Yet the Biden administration is plowing ahead, apportioning billions of dollars for states to build exorbitantly expensive chargers and requiring half of all cars to be electric by 2030. It's simply not going to be possible. Ultimately, this is uh, from reason here, consumer choices will dictate the future of electric vehicles. If people don't buy them at their current price and with the current technology, then companies will either innovate or come up with something better. By merely subsidizing the current thing, the Biden administration is upholding the status quo, disincentivizing other innovations. And that's a really big point right there. When you have these super expensive chargers, people have to make a choice. Is it important enough for you to put in these fast chargers at these prices? But when the government comes in and subsidizes this, they throw off the whole market. You see, if people make the choice, well, no, it's not important to put in this fast charger. We'll just have a gas pump instead or or open a slow charger or whatever. By coming in and subsidizing the price that prevents companies from needing to innovate to get the price down. You see, if people weren't going to pay 50 or just say 40, if they weren't going to pay 40K for this charger, then what has to happen is the company has to come in and say, well, we need to innovate this. We need to make this cheaper. We got to find a way to make this more affordable for people. But then in comes the government holding other people's money and they put money, what can actually happen then? Then the price can actually go up. Whereas maybe you were gonna lower the price down to 20,000 through innovations for uh, for people to uh, actually be able to afford this. Now you can actually increase the price. Now you can actually increase the price to 100K because at the end of the day, the government's gonna pay 80% of it and the people only need to pay 20,000. Just like what you would need to decrease the price to in the first place. And so... Once again, it's a very inefficient use of everyone's money. We got that with these chargers. We see what's happening with private school tuition as they send vouchers into the system. I'm not arguing against vouchers, but people do need to realize that this is going to happen. Sending this money towards that system, increasing that money supply for that supply of teachers and schools will increase the price. All right. We will have time to talk about this last thing. I was trying to keep this around 30 minutes. I try to keep it around 30 minutes when, when Charlie's not here as often as I can. Speaking of what is actually important to a politician, what do they really care about? Is it you? Is that what they actually care about? They, they care about winning their elections. You see, Biden has told a bunch of the, the people that are worried about climate change, a uh, bunch of the greens out there, as I call them, uh, the green New Deal people out there. He's told them that he's going to push people over to EVs, and they all have the uh, the idea in their head that that's going to be much better for the environment. Although, I think you have to drive the car. I think it's only better for the environment after the car has been driven for over sixty thousand miles, which is which is gonna which is gonna happen. But for the first sixty thousand, I believe it's actually worse for the environment. And so they're throwing all these billions of dollars towards this. And why is that? They're not even going to be able to actually get it done. It's going to be much more expensive for people, but they're appeasing a bunch of the climate change hysterians that are out there. They only care about winning elections. It's not really about you or what's best for you. And I and I don't even agree with this mandate, this law, uh, this idea that the FDA was going to ban cigarettes, menthol cigarettes. Okay, so I don't even agree with that in the first place, but they're just being right up front, right out there in the open with what it is that they actually care about. They're not even pretending that it's about saving people's lives. Now they're just saying, oh, we got to win the election. So this is from the WAPO. Biden ban on menthol cigarettes to be delayed amid political concerns, officials say. Now the government should not be coming in and banning different flavors of cigarettes. They should also not be telling people that if they ban different flavors of cigarettes, that that, that, that is gonna stop people from smoking. It's uh, just not going to happen. All right, May, maybe a few, maybe a few, but it doesn't mean that everyone who smokes menthols is gonna quit smoking and, and that they're not gonna get lung cancer and that they're not gonna die. And then you throw out that number of all these people that were gonna die, that they're not gonna die. That's, uh, fu- that's Fugazi. Fugazi. Okay, it's not real. The Biden administration will further delay a long awaited ban on menthol cigarettes after fierce lobbying from critics who warned that a prohibition could anger some black smokers who favor the products and could hurt President Biden's reelection prospects, administration officials said. The administration on Wednesday announced that it plans in that it plans in March to finalize federal rules that would lead to menthol cigarettes being removed from the market. The process could be delayed still further because of pressure during an election year, according to four officials who spoke on the condition of anonymity, of course. I highlighted this sentence because they, they talk so much about how this is about saving people's lives. They need to do this. This is what's best for people. And they're literally saying that they're going to hold off on the ban because it could anger, could anger some black smokers who favor the products and could hurt President Biden's re-election prospects. All right, now, you would think like a normal human being. Here's your question. If, it, if they really believe that it's going to save hundreds of thousands to millions of people's lives doing this, imagine you had this choice. You could either save a million people's lives and lose your job, or those million people could die, but you could keep your job for however much longer you're going to be alive. Those are like the two things that they're deciding between. And for them, it's a it's a very easy question for them to answer. The debate over cracking down on menthol products comes as Biden ramps up his reelection campaign. Democrats have already voiced concerns that Biden's flagging popularity could mean low turnout among black voters, whose political support propelled him to the White House. More than 18.5 million people in the U.S. smoked menthol cigarettes in 2019. Among smokers who were black, 81% choose menthols. According to the CDC, a far higher rate than for smokers who were white. Top civil rights and health groups have long maintained that the tobacco industry has a history of aggressively, aggressively marketing to black communities. Now I wanted to take a pause there on this story and and talk about that last part. Taking all this aside, the menthol cigarettes and the ban and all that, okay, they still have to add in there that the tobacco industry has been aggressively marketing to black communities. And and of course, there's like these overtones of, oh, they're trying to kill the black community. They're marketing these menthol cigarettes to the black community and and getting people to start smoking and and that's the big problem that I think it just so happens eighty one percent of black people who smoke decide to smoke menthols it could be a a just a flavor choice that people are making it could be a, a cultural choice I don't know exactly why it is but eighty one percent of black smokers choose menthols but this idea that They've been aggressively marketing the black communities and that, that's why the numbers are so high. Well, I went to the CDC's website and the uh, percentage of black adults who smoke is lower than the percentage of white adults who smoke. It's 12.9% for white people and it's 11.7% for black people. And so we're what are we arguing here? That the only reason that 11.7% of black people smoke is because of aggressive marketing? towards black people, and that's it? That's it. They Just the community that traditionally wouldn't smoke, but if not for this marketing, uh, that's what's happening. It's still lower than white people. So why this racist content? I don't know. The cost of inaction is high, uh, said, said this person, citing projections that a ban on menthol cigarettes would save as many as 650,000 lives. During the next 40 years, okay, so I was off a little bit on my projections, all right, 650,000 lives during the next 40 years. Now, they're making the assumption that these people are going to stop smoking, or they're not going to, that, like, they're not just going to go over to your Virginia tobacco, or they're not going to move on to, uh, I don't, I, I don't know, the idea that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm addicted to nicotine, uh, but uh, just really... I just really wanted that menthol, so I'm just going to quit. That's, that's, I don't think the menthol is really the addictive part there. I think it's the nicotine. The products are a gateway to addiction, she said, noting that since 1980, the black community has accounted for 1.5 million new menthol cigarette smokers. They're fractionating this down all the way to menthol. There's absolutely no reason for delay on a policy that has been studied for more than 12 years and is essential to the president's health, equity, and cancer moonshot agenda. Yolanda C. Richardson, chief executive at the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, said, If the White House gives in to the tobacco industry's fear-mongering now, it will further undermine public trust in government and make it even harder to move forward in an election year. Manufacturers sold 173.5 billion cigarettes in 2022. I'm just thinking about how awful that smells. According to the FTC's annual cigarette report, well below annual sales in the 1980s that often topped 600 billion loose cigarettes. Among major manufacturers, menthol cigarettes made up 36% of the market, the report said. Alrighty then. Um, It's not about you. It's not even about helping you. It's not even right now about fake helping you. It's about getting reelected. That's what the politicians actually care about ev chargers is not about the environment it's not about what's doing best for you it's about getting reelected. that's all it is because they can give out the money and they can boast about giving out the money but they haven't even broken i think they broke ground on on in two states on those ev chargers all right it's all it's all a game and they're winning i think it's about time that we uh we play a different game okay that's all i got for today thank you for coming and hanging out with me folks I, I greatly appreciate it. Charlie is going to be back live in studio on Thursday. He's coming home tomorrow, and I'm not going to ask him to record an episode on his travel day because I'm just a nice guy, okay? Just a good friend, all right? And so he's going to be back on Thursday. We'll do a White Pill Wednesday episode tomorrow. And uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, share it with a friend, share it with a family member, share it on X, share it on Facebook, Find it on YouTube and hit like and comment and subscribe and do all of those things. Go to godhatesfeds.com, get yourself a shirt or a mug or whatever it is that you want to get from that website from our merch store and go to joingmail.com so you can hang out with myself and the Fed Haters Club every single day of the week when we want to. If you do every single one of those things, and I mean every single one of them, I'll be right back here tomorrow. and tell them have a good day and a
0: good morning. Liberty.